Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Wednesday Night Live. This is Ron Crawford, coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And it is a wonderful privilege to be able to reach out to my church family here in Dallas and those who consider this place their home, as well as to all of our Saints Network family across this great nation of ours and throughout many, many nations in the world. Welcome. We are so privileged and blessed to be part of God's family and to be a part of those known scripturally as the saints. I am grateful for what God has been doing over the past many, many months. And I am joining with all of you in greatly looking forward to what is coming, what God has in store for his people. You know, it's so many ways we just say thank you, Father, for the privilege of being able to serve you and the Spirit of the Lord is so near and so good to each of His people. We need to continue to believe for the things that God has promised. It's, it's not, you know, when I say the things God's promised, that means a lot of different things to people. For some, it's a very subjective uh, entity. Well, you know, God promised me this thing and that thing and this thing and that thing. And usually it's, uh, it's something to do with enhancing their own life in some way. And I, I know that God gives promises like that. I, I'm, I've had them myself and I bless them. But to me, that is that is a small percentage of what is really meant by the promises of God. You know, the Bible says that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's going to add everything we need and and blessings to us. He will add that. And so many of the greatest blessings that I've had and enjoyed in my life and in my family have been things that I have, was in no way expecting. Just the faithfulness and the goodness and the love of God. Now there were some things that God specifically pointed out, I'm going to do this, and you, you don't make them the objective of everything you do, but you remember and you give thanks to God as they come. Uh, but to me, it's a much better thing to simply serve Him and to count your blessings, which are many, manifold. Now, the promises that I'm speaking of to the saints are the things that He has shown to his people that he's going to do in and through his church and in the nations and in places that we uh, we are expecting a great move of God in. Those are the promises that, that really matter most because they're kingdom oriented. Yes, blessing is a part of kingdom kingdom life and kingdom remuneration but the greatest blessing is to see the kingdom come and God's God's will be done you know all these terms are subjectivized to preach them to to make them appealing to people like what is the will of God well I'm telling you brother the will of God is that you have more than enough and off it goes it's subjectivized usually well, God does promise 
that he would be more than enough. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But that's part of the character of God. That's part of the covenant of God. And it's not necessarily the the major percentage of what the will of God is. The will of God is what he has intended to do from the foundation of the world. The greatest blessing we can have is partnering with him in that, especially as intercessors, as saints. And that's why Jesus asked for the kingdom to come and his will to be done. And, um, but, you know, again, we subjectivize, which, which for those of you who may not be familiar with that term to be subjective, it's, a, it's, the, it's the opposite really of, of being objective. If I'm objective, I look at things as they are. If I'm subjective, everything is based upon my perspective. Everything is based upon how, what's in it for me. And you can be subjective in some ways, but it, when it's, it's with the kingdom, you want to be as objective as you possibly can. And then when God blesses, your motives are pure. I've pastored for a very long time. And as the years go by, it's just astounding to me. I wonder where the years have gone. And I've seen a lot of people and I've been responsible for a lot of people. And I would say that the idea of being objective when it comes to God is a rare quality. Um, I know what the church world is like. It's subjectively oriented. What's this for me? Here's the way to get what you really want that God's been holding out from you. Oh, you've not been praying right. Here's the way you pray so that you can get what you really want from God. Whole seminars and teaching series have been devoted to that kind of thing. And people come to church. Do you want to deliver the word of God to them? Or do you want to spice it up and make it entertaining so that people will come? Do you want to present uh, famous movie clips throughout? and serve coffee and popcorn and be done in 15 minutes with some really neat theme so people can walk out and say, man, I really enjoyed that. That's subjectivizing. And it'll grow a church, but I'm not sure the maintenance of that field of weeds is what any pastor really wants. But I digress from what the Lord has really laid on my heart to share today. Uh, before we get into the Word, which is going to be in Romans 12, uh, we, we do not have a teaching sheet today. Uh, you know you know me, and you know the way we as saints operate. We, we love to get into the meat of the Word, and we, we lay out um, very deep, meaty principles as God directs them. And, um, but I, I've felt recently the Spirit says, I want you to really go with the people into a scripture or a passage that I show you. And I want you through your delivery, to, if you can, to show people how to, how to just ingest a specific passage how to look at what the words mean from a pneumaticos perspective and bring even one verse or two together into a PowerPoint. And um, so we're going to look at that today. We certainly have a lot of meat coming, um, and we've had a lot <laughs> recently. I want to remind you of uh, our Dallas seminar September 14th, that Tuesday through the end of the week, it's going to be called The Feast. It's going to be a different uh, type of a progression than normal, partly because, mostly because God said, this is what I want. But a part of that is that this is like a homecoming. The COVID 
scourge has been lifted and we can come together I've really been thankful to the Lord for the way he has blessed and protected all of us during this time. I've learned something about what's coming during the time of the end, not only from a geopolitical perspective, but from uh, an awakening. How are we going to be effective in, in reaching out across the world when things are stopped and when things are shut down? I heard that our, uh, our very reliable uh, people in the World Health Organization are uh, speculating that there could be a climate change lockdown coming. Get ready for that one, folks. But another thing I've learned is that all the saints, no matter how much you love the Lord, view things differently. And you have to be very careful when you just talk about normal things during a time of crisis because people on the one hand may be adamant in a particular grasp of what's going on while good God-loving spirit-filled tongue-talking Bible-believing saints are looking at the thing from a different perspective so you have to you have to keep purpose uh, without offending people on behalf of things that should not even be uh, a point of offense. And so I'm grateful that somehow we've been all able to stay together in the midst of lots of different adamant viewpoints. And um, the main thing is, is that we continue to pray and seek the Lord and love one another and stay on track. And the Lord has watched over us hasn't he he's protected us and we are we are wanting to honor what he's asking of us in this season leading up to september and then for the in gathering that's that's coming so we'll be sending and advertising different things that we feel the lord is wanting us all to come into alignment to do before him and then as, as we gather together at the beginning of that week, it's going to be a little bit different because it's going to be um, an, uh, an in-gathering. And we are, we're going to be doing some specific things unto the Lord as we come together. Of course, it's going to be a wonderful thing to see people. Many of you haven't seen one another in the nat- in, in physical for a long, long time. You've been able to come together on Zoom and uh, you've been able to, to talk on the phone and email, and that's wonderful. What, what, a, what a wonderful thing. We're very grateful for this, uh, this broadcasting element we have. That's been a, a real thread for all of us. Uh, but to, the coming together and the looking forward, it's just going to be a splendid time. So we thank God for it, but uh, be, be on the lookout for... Uh, for the uh, for the 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 ongoing words as as God speaks about what He requires. Just as a side note, um, we we are still waiting on the new equipment to be um, fully manufactured, and uh, we're hoping that it's soon. I intend to reach out, um, or or maybe Scott or Pastor Fabian will to see uh, what updates are there with the company that we're dealing with. But there's a lot of good things on the horizon. and um, But the best is that we can walk with the Lord. Now, one other announcement. We are um, coming up to a very important moment in the history of our nation, and that is the July 4th holiday. And next week leading up to July 4th is going to be a week of coordinated prayer we're we're going to be doing that here from this house and we'll be reaching out to our network to invite you to also participate in whatever way the Lord would lay before you and I want to thank uh, Monica Terrell for prayerfully putting together a uh, a 
scheme, a schematic for us of, of what the Lord is uh, going to be offering. And uh, make sure that you tune in this coming Sunday morning to hear all the things that the Spirit has prophetically said that he would invite us to participate in. So that's a lot of announcements. Be, be ready to pray. You pray now, of course. We need to be praying every day. But be ready for a concerted effort next week and um, make your plans for September. Um, and we will, we will just walk in the, the fields of blessing together with our Lord. Amen? Amen. So, Romans 12, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is a wonderful, wonderful passage. And it goes on from there to speak about many powerful themes and concepts and directives from the Spirit. One of my favorite things that I recall from hearing other preaching and teaching was the time that I was uh, privileged to be at Church on the Way in Van Nuys, California, and Pastor Jack Hayford was uh, teaching. During the early days of my pastoring, he really was a shining example to me as he was and still is to many thousands of ministers coming out of the Foursquare movement. Um, I appreciated his his scholasticism and his his uh, his embrace of the word of God. But he was preaching on this or whatever it was that you could classify. It was just an enjoyable experience to hear him. Um, but he said, uh, particularly in regard to this uh, living sacrifice, and I've mentioned this many times, and always give him the uh, the footnote of credit for it. The only one of the main problems with a living sacrifice is it keeps wanting to crawl off the altar, and that, of course, is just classic Pastor Jack. But um, I have looked at this passage a lot over the past number of weeks and it was really an interesting thing I was working with um, Yowali Garcia and Pastor Anna Muniz from Sao Paulo on our weekly broadcast into Brazil and before Yowali and I connected with Anna he he said something about the living sacrifice and he said something to the degree that you know if if all these other sacrifices that the enemy offers and all these uh, all the ways that um, we we deal with sacrifice through the scripture all those things are powerful but what really happens when we're a living sacrifice to God how powerful is that and, you know, that's just two men talking together. I appreciate Yawali as a, as a brother and in many ways a son. Um, but uh, something stuck. And I said, Yawali, that, that just is a profound scripture. And I, I could not get away from it. And so I knew that the Lord wanted us to share this today. So let's let's look and see what a further insight into what that really means um, might be to us today. And let's look at what the Apostle Paul is saying throughout. So first of all, when he says, I beseech you, therefore, 
brethren. Beseech is a good old King Jamesy word, but it comes from a word that we have become very familiar with. It's parakaleo. This is what the Holy Spirit does uh, when he calls alongside to help. And without going into a, a detailed reteaching of that, I, I will mention that when I was growing up, the standard interpretation of that was that if you get in trouble, you just call out and the, and the Spirit comes alongside to help you. That is really not an accurate perspective. God does come to help us. But this word means that you are, the Spirit is calling people to what they need to be doing. That they would abandon the things that are really not accomplishing much and come over to what they're supposed to be doing. The parakaleo is a, a spiritual admonition to, to begin to do what God is, um, is really created, create, what God has created us to do and what he, um, what he wants from us. And so when Paul is saying, I beseech you, he's really saying what I'm going to be talking about now is you finding your place where God has created you to serve and begin to partner with the Almighty in what he is doing. So it's not just I exhort you, even though that's a great word. Beseech can just slide past us because it's an archaic term. But parakaleo is God's God's uh, invitation. He is not just his invitation, but his firm insistence that we hear and we come. And it's by the mercies of God. I like this because the word that is translated as mercies, you can find a link with the Old Testament, which is the one of the best ways to really gain clarity uh, as to what a word really means in the New Testament. If you can find a direct link where there is a quotation or um, there is a, uh, a definitive way that something is, um, is brought forth from the Old Testament and, and you can then see Okay, here's the word the Spirit used in the Old Testament, and here's where it is in the New Testament. And there, there is a, uh, a, a word in Exodus about, um, about mercies. It's not the regular chesed, which we've studied, which was what the mercy seat is. This is a directive from Nacham, which, as we've studied, really means to be a close confidant of God. It is, it is translated a lot as a child in the womb and from the womb and then being drawn together uh, as uh, one with, with the parent. Um, this is what God created Noah to be. We've studied about this. And this particular word used here for mercy aligns directly with that. So what is Paul saying? I am asking all of you to hear the voice of the Spirit and do what you were created to do. To come into alignment with what God has created you to fulfill in service in conjunction with that place of commune and fellowship with him from which he gave you life. That is a place of great blessing. I, one of the tremendous 
realizations that I had in my life and that we here at the Father's Church and throughout the Saints Network have enjoyed is when I took the step by the leading of the Spirit from the general church idea that I was born again so that I would be forgiven of my sins, have a home in heaven, and from that point I just tried to follow God and my relationship was largely asking him for things. Asking him for things. And whether you will admit that or not, that's usually what the church does. If they have a prayer meeting, they're asking God for things. In fact, they'll have long lists and they come in very innovative ways and, and it's all about getting something from God. I'm not saying people don't love God or appreciate Him, but to me, when when the Spirit awakened us and we stepped out of that and became a people who believed God created us for a purpose. And that purpose wasn't just to be born again and have a home in heaven. You know, those things are a starting point. And sadly, even what the, the writer of the Hebrews said, at some point we have to we have to launch forth from those elemental things into the deeper things of God. But most Christians, most churches don't do that. They even go so far as to say a once saved, always saved thing. That if you come to church on Christmas or Easter and the pastor uh, has a, uh, an invitation to accept Christ and you walk up the aisle and shake the hand of the pastor and pray the sinner's prayer, then no matter what you do from that point, you're in. And, and, and they'll, they'll quote a bunch of verses about that. But the one that really astounds me is that they'll say, no one can pluck you from his hand. It doesn't say anything in that verse about you crawling out of his hand. But that's another, that's another story. One of the greatest blessings for me was to realize that I was created for a purpose and I was supposed to be partnering with God every day seeking him to hear his voice and to to understand how he wanted me to serve him in hopefully impacting the world it's 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 not just about going out and evangelizing which we need to do and bringing babies into the church at some point those babies need to grow up and want to be oracles and not just having the milk of the word. And so this Naham really speaks to me of that. It's, it's how God could commune with Noah. And these are these end times are the days of Noah, if we believe what the scripture says. And um, it's, will you come alongside me in this wicked world and listen to my heart and do things that I need you to do. I, 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 I want you to partner with me in this. Now, did God ask Noah to go out and beat his head against a wall preaching to these miscreants that were partnering with devils and doing all kinds of wicked things, intermarrying with, uh, with demonic entities and producing giants and dealing in witchcraft that is was of uh, the the highest debauchery the highest measure of debauchery was did god tell noah to go out there and just debate them no noah invested his time building an ark being ridiculed because he was doing something that the world was not building. And I think that's something we need to see. And uh, I, do, I do believe, though, that the essence of what Paul is saying here is, um, listen, you're being called by the Spirit to find your place and to fulfill why God gave you life and to know the father to be as 
his close confidant, his child. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. This is what Paul is talking about. And let's continue to look at what's next. That you present your bodies. Present para steme. To stand in the hesteme wherewith Christ has appointed you. And you remember this, the study of hesteme, how that's one of the two words that the Spirit chose to identify the cross. That stake of ownership in the hesteme. And that's the cross we're to bear. We're not supposed to be crawling up on our cross. There's only one who did that, and we don't need another. It's the perfect gift of Jesus. Oh, but Peter was crucified upside down. Yeah, but nobody was born again because of that. You know, there's only one, and that was Jesus who did that sacrifice. We don't need another. And so, uh, what, what he's saying here is, peristeme, you present in your human body a devotion to where God the Father has asked you to stand and serve and represent the kingdom and welcome his glory. And, in, and with the para, you, you do that in your place in alignment with others who are also doing it. What an incredible thing that is. You can see the, the continuance of the word of the Spirit here. What is... And this is in our body. We have to serve. It's not an ethereal thing. It's that, that we are there. A living, life-giving, zio sacrifice. Now, let's talk about the sacrifice, shall we? We've already established that there was one sacrifice, Jesus. And through that sacrifice, we find life. So, we don't need another sacrifice of that type. The blood of bulls and of goats does not need an, an assist from the blood of humans, even though, even though, if individuals are martyred to where their blood is shed, we've seen in Scripture that that blood cries out to God. So, I don't want to diminish that. But thankfully, I don't think anybody in the sound of my voice right now is, is, in, is in that condition. In fact, even Peter said, you know, what are you griping about? Not one of you has had to surrender your blood. So, Let's just, let's just set that idea off to the side. Sacrifice in this, the, this word that is used is always a burnt sacrifice. The, the, uh, the objective of the meaning of this word is twofold. Number one, that it's burnt by fire, but really it's the smoke that is most prominently uh, utilized. In fact, this word is, is primarily what is spoken about when you talk about incense. So it's the burning and the smoke that is the main objective in this word. It's not necessarily a bull or a uh, whatever else would be on the altar catching fire. It's the fire, the willingness to be burned, and the smoke. And this sacrifice is holy. It's d dedicated to Hagias. It's acceptable, which means that it rises in a pleasing way to God. And it is a reasonable service. Reasonable, logikos, logikos, 
from Lego. You're, this is what you were called to do. So remember what we talked about regarding the prayers of the saints rising as incense before God? In the book of Revelation, the, the prayers of the saints are offered on the fire there and it, the smoke rises before God. When you serve God, but, well, you know, the prayers of the saints are as incense. When you are praying in, in that measure of what that incense represents as saints, that is ignited before God. And we've, we've done studies about this. We've talked about the ingredients of incense, how it aligns with what God says he wants in the voice thunders, lightnings, earthquakes. We've talked about the prayers of the saints, and those are good studies. That is really what is being spoken of here. Your body, your, your person, as you commit yourself on this earth to serve God, not in this world, but, um, but uh, on behalf of what is coming um, and what you want to come in the kingdom, that brings life. That brings the vitality of what God intended to be life-giving. The, ess the essence of the saints is that God's purpose would be restored and function and bring life. So the sacrifice that God wants from us as saints is our service. What, what, is, what has Paul said? He's not just plucking words out of the air. What is the spirit, the divine author, the living word, Jesus? What is he saying here? Let's just take the words. I call you to find your place in the service of God, to fulfill what he created you to be and to do and to know him in that intimate point of commune with him as your heavenly father. And I ask you, to stand in the hysteme alongside others who are standing there through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross um, to, to be a life-bringing entity in your body, in your service while on this earth, being burned by the fire of God that the smoke of that offering would rise before God and would serve as a saintly offering, holy, uh, pleasing the nostrils and the heart of God, and that, that it, in that service, would exactly fulfill what he created you to do. Isn't that wonderful? Is it just, it just is. I'm not creating some wacky viewpoint here. I'm just taking the words that we have studied together and seeing what, reminding what they mean and what Paul is really saying here. And then he says, don't be conformed. Well, let's read it from the King James, the Bible the Apostle Paul carried. Be not conformed to this world. Schematizo is conformed. There's a lot of schemes of the world out there right now, aren't there? So many different viewpoints, and they are just being hammered by the, the, the peal of the bells of hell. So many ways of division and darkness and wickedness and perversion. These schemes are out there. As this is happening, we need to stay on course with what we've just said, but we also need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. I love this word, renewing. Some of you are already looking to see what it is. It's anakinosos. What is a kinos? What is a kinos thing? This is the new wine. Kinos, oikos. This is... The reflection that God's Spirit wants you to see in any Kairos moment. There are a lot of Kairos moments going on right now. Um, the enemy is trying to position himself. The Spirit of the Lord is definitely positioning his people and 
as intercessors and his servants. The battle lines are being drawn and we must not allow ourselves to be subverted by the schemes of the enemy mindset, the prince of the power of the air, but we must cause our mind to align itself with what is what God is doing in this Kairos moment and let that Kainos, the new of the Lord, be continually the perspective of our thinking. What an incredible, incredible thing that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, what do those mean? That you may prove. Oh, how do how do we prove it? You know, sometimes I on I'm just being really honest with you. Um sometimes I I'm talking to the Lord. I'm not I like something that Brother Les Terrell said during Sunday school. It's okay to ask God a question as long as you're not questioning God. And that's stuck with me. I think that's a good truism for us. But what does it mean to prove? Sometimes I say, Lord, or I will just let make sure that we're doing what we should do. This word prove is our old friend dokimatsu. It's formed from um, doxa, which is the glory. And it, it really means to to make sure that what we're doing is lining up with what his mission is for us. We may not understand everything that God's doing. We may not understand, of course we're not going to. We may not understand why certain things happen. Our only objective is to spend time with God and to do what he asks us to do. And there are times that I say, Lord, are we really doing what we're supposed to do here? It's an easy thing to cross that line and say, God, I just don't understand what you're doing. I, you know, we did everything we were supposed to do, and look what happened. Have you lost control? Did we miss? you got to be really careful with that. There have been some things that I've seen, I'm just tattling on myself, that my first reaction is, God, yeah, I say this in the right way. I'm not. I try not to be petulant or even sound like I am. How in the world did you let this happen? How? What did we not do to ensure a better outcome? I just don't understand this. You're going to have a lot of those kinds of things. But there, we need to trust and. Our proving is saying, Father, as we look back over this sequence, we've interceded, we've stood our ground, we have done our very best to come and stay near to your heart. We have stood where the cross has established us and welcomed the kingdom. We have uh, offered our incense and our lives in the fire of your spirit as an offering that we pray would would bless you and please you and be acceptable to you and um we've we've really sincerely tried to do this our only proving point is what i just said knowing that in some way we are partnering with the glory of God. And while we may not understand everything, we may not understand much, but what's in our power to understand, we have done that. And we trust God. We trust God. Now for the world, that seems nonsensical. We, we have to we have to not, we, we got to be really careful. The world can be very persuasive. Oh man, how many people have been led down the progressive path of, of idiocy? God is love. Well, that means that we can, we got to let everybody do whatever they want to do because God is love. 
Oh boy, that sounds ludicrous in the way I just said it, but it has sucked a lot of well-meaning people in in the name of the love of God. The schemes of the world. We have to let our mind be renewed. Uh, with a kainos understanding, that, that in itself for our mind is not a, uh, it's a kairos moment. It's not a chronos. It's not up to us to say, okay, well, God just give me the whole game plan. It's kind of like in the scripture, I've joked about this. This is another Pastor Jackism. You know, like when Jesus' first miracle, those people that God that he said, go fill these, these, these pots with water. They didn't have an advanced copy of the Gospels to know what was going to happen. That's about the only way you can convince some Christians, okay, do this and this, because if you do this, this has got to happen. It's kainos renewing. It's not chroneo renewing. God is not responsible to tell us the end from the beginning. It's enough for us to know that he is the end from the beginning. And we just need to keep being renewed. Stay in the Kairos moment of the Lord by doing all of these things we just talked about and cherishing them because that's what we were created to do. Knowing that we're blessing and pleasing our Father. And he comes, doesn't he? We've said it over and over again during the past year. During times of great challenge and during times where we wonder, Lord, what is going on? And why? Why is this going on? The presence of the Lord comes so wonderfully. Listen, one of the mighty words that we know from the scripture is that God said when darkness is upon the face of the earth and gross darkness the people my light will shine on you it doesn't say your light God's light is going to drive away that darkness even though light does do that the gross darkness that people enjoy in the world they're going to hold on to you can't shine that out of them only God can do that, and then they've got to be willing to let that happen. But the very presence of darkness and gross darkness, yes, it's concerning. Yes, it's alarming. Yes, it's a bit irritating, isn't it? But that should be an indicator that his light is going to shine on us, and his will will be done. That's what we look at. If you're, and I know how easy this is, if you've been tempted to, to quit and just say, God, I've had it. You know, I just don't understand how you let this darkness and this, this that gross darkness on people is just ridiculous. The schemes that they have, why do you let that happen? Some of you have been taken out because of that. Maybe some kinfolk came up to you and said, well, a lot of good it did for you to pray. Look what happened. And you look like an idiot in your own thinking. But we should say, that's going to happen. There's going to be darkness and there's going to be gross darkness. But instead of it being a downer for us, as, as disconcerting as it is, it should be something that we rejoice because God has called us to serve him in this type of thing, in this type of atmosphere. And how many times have we taught about it? You know, the Apostle Paul, that great, that great testimony about how for, for no other crime than serving God and obeying the direction of the Spirit and casting a spirit of divination out of a girl He's tossed in the prison, beaten, chained in, in the deepest, darkest place of, a, of an ancient prison. And there he is with Silas singing in the midnight hour. The midnight hour is the darkest time of the day. 
Some of us have walked through the midnight hour. Have we cursed the midnight hour? Have we raised our chained fist up to God and said, I don't understand, I'm about to quit, you have let me down. Or do we praise what's coming? The privilege of walking with our God. Why did you lead me here, God? Why did you cause me to confront this controlling power? Why was I beaten? Why, was, why did I suffer these things? Why does it seem like everything is lost? What will you do then? Give up? Or will you view it as a privilege? I, I don't believe Paul recognized, well, if I do this and I do this, this we could do a seminar, how to shake the chains free and open the prison doors. He didn't realize, if I do this, God's going to do this. No, he found the moment, no matter how dark it seemed, to be a privilege and God honored that partnership and the principle so how do we renew our mind in the kainos well, we've got to know hey I'm here because I did these things instead of saying I did these things and look what you did or didn't do we should say God yes I fulfilled this and it's a privilege to fulfill this I'm not doing you any favors. The privilege is all mine. And I'm going to let my mind be saturated by an appreciation that I'm in the chronos of God and I am observing a kairos moment. That's my mindset. And um, it's, it's, a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing. And um, this is God's beautiful word to us today and Paul goes on to say when he's listen he's talked about let me get my little things I jotted down on this pad he's talked about us standing where the cross where the father has called us to establish our cross he's called us to fulfill our function he's called us to stand in the gap help doing the work of God and being in the calm with him these are all personal indications. And then he says in verse 3, For I say through the grace, the perspective of moving forward that I'm walking in, to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. We have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. You know, I think back over my life, some of the heinous things, there have been some really bad things, especially in the ministry. Oh, just, I could tell you stories. But particularly this walk of the saints, even how we began as saints, even how we were established as the Father's Church, the things that led up to that were outrageously bad. The way the enemy came against us through people, through religion, through falsehoods, through accusations, and the way the enemy was, was doing things in the spirit realm, it was horrible. But the one thing, and I've testified to this, that got us through that, and sincerely, when we prayed and when I asked our congregation to pray, let's stay on track. Let's focus on the fact of our identity in God. Let's pray for him to do what he's doing in this moment. Little did we know that in just a matter of months, we would be set apart, we would be unscathed, all of the things that were threatened and accused were gone. And we then had the spirit arranged for a brother and sister of a major recognized movement in, in France to come to our church, pray with us, spend the week, invite us into France. In just a couple of months, we would have been then in Greece, in Africa, 
in London and then in France just in a few months time isn't that amazing there are many stories like that and I have to believe that what we're emerging from as as saints in these weird days is going to be a a similar if not more magnificent launching forth on behalf of the kingdom of God because that's really all that matters you know I remember that time uh, that I just mentioned you know we were blessed maybe someday I'll write about this but it's not time yet we were blessed to have two very powerful uh, legal teams that were representing us and one was to represent the the staff me and the staff and the other was to represent our church and God directed that it it was an amazing gift to us both of them said what has happened to you here is outrageous and you personally and you as a church two individual things could file lawsuits that would would net you an incredible amount of money because this is just wrong we have all the records we have experience in these things we've seen these things happen there's precedent and it was just a comedy of wicked errors that the enemy caused people to do and the Lord said no don't don't do that and of course the scripture says don't take your brother to court I knew that God had given promises which we've seen to some degree we've not fully seen them that God had given promises of what our apostolic role would be back amongst some many of those people and I'm not trying to say oh look at how great we are that's not what I'm saying what God gave us is you what God gave us was the privilege of going into the nations and finding friends brothers and sisters who are dear to us God gave us the privilege of and all of us to go throughout the world and to experience things that money could never buy yeah you know there are still things that I would like to see God do uh, in regard to that you know I'd like to have our name cleared because that's gonna have to happen before that one apostolic promise comes about I'd like to see that because we were innocent and that it kind of it's it's irritating if you let your mind go there but what God provided and still provides is the reward to us for staying true and it was only by God's grace and power that we were to do that and I'm saying all that for this reason we as Saints have come through some really strange things our world our nation the church is being ridiculed and lambasted and defamed even now there's darkness and gross darkness coming but God's light his light my light the Almighty says will shine on you so what we must do is what the Apostle Paul said the living sacrifice business you present your bodies what do you need to do in this physical frame let the fire of the Spirit of the Lord come upon your place of faithful service and your intercession and let those two things rise as a pleasing aroma as a smoke before the nostrils of God that is what we must see is really happening right now 
So I speak blessing to all of you, and I want to thank you as a person for your faithfulness and for the privilege of being able to walk with you in this pathway that God's given to us, to all of us. And, and I, I pray, I declare over you that the Spirit of the Lord would come so close to you even at this moment and in the, in the hours to come, and that you will have the privilege of offering yourself afresh to the Heavenly Father who loves you. Maybe you have questioned God. It's not too late to say, Father, forgive me. I'm still standing. I want to serve you. Do that. And let's all move forward in Him as living sacrifices together. Thanks for joining today, and know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we are so appreciative of the privilege of being able to meet with you in this way. Till next time, God bless, and goodbye.